0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, David. Cheeky. Um, okay, so uh, it is such a privilege to be um, speaking to you this morning. And I'm going to be um, talking to you uh, about a verse that is, has been really significant on my faith journey. We're going to be talking about going deeper in the Spirit. And uh, it's a part of our Walking with Jesus kind of series at the moment. And. Um, Yes, I just, I really believe that God wants to do some stuff this morning. So, are you ready? Are you ready? Great. Um, Okay, so, um, in fact, the verse that we're going to be looking at, I don't know, has anybody ever heard of Ishmael? Yeah, wow, that's more people than I thought. So, Ishmael was a children's, is a children's worship leader, and he was kind of big in the um, late 80s, early 90s when I was younger, and um, uh, in fact, he, this verse um, he was, was one of the songs that he had. He put this verse to music. And so all week as I've been preparing this talk, this song has been going over and over in my head. So I just thought, oh, I'll do a little shout out to Ishmael. Um, I'm not going to sing because I am no worship leader. Um, but <laughs> no. Uh, but yes, anyway, I uh, just wanted to see who might know Ishmael. Right, let's, uh, it's nothing to do with what I'm talking about that bit. I just wanted to see. Right, let's have a look at the verse then. Could I have it up on the screen? We are looking at 2 Corinthians 3... It is, um, and we're looking at um, this this verse. I'm going to read to you now. If the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious? is the ministry that brings righteousness. Next bit. Is there a next bit? Thank you. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, now I know that was a big chunk of stuff that I just just threw out to you there. And there's big words in there like transitory and contemplate and glory. But if we can begin to unpack this this morning, if we can begin to see exactly what it is that we, as the people of God, are called into and who we are called to be, it will absolutely transform our worlds. So I just want to put up these last couple of verses. Can we just have those last ones again? Sorry, from verse from Verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, let me put this into a little bit of context for you. In the Garden of Eden, we had intimacy with the Father, He created us in his image to be with him, to see his face, to talk with him, to grow to be like him. And then we have sin happen. And then when that happened, it broke that relationship. And there was a wall between us and the face of the Father. So then what we have is we have mediators that come. We have people who stand in the gap. We have the priests. We have the prophets. We have those people who speak to us on behalf of the Father. And the narrative of Scripture all the way through is the pursuit of the Father's heart towards his people, wanting to draw us back into intimacy with him. Now, if we look at Moses, which this verse is talking about, it refers to Moses, and it talks about a veil over his face. Moses, in Exodus 3, he is described as being a friend of God, one who walked with God, who saw the face of God. He had that intimacy. And he wore a veil because there was one point where the glory of God came upon the mountain. Do you remember this bit in the scripture? Glory of God comes upon the mountain, and Moses goes up and encounters God. And when he comes down, his face is still shining with the glory of God. And the Israelites are so afraid that that he has to wear a veil over his face because it's still shining so brightly with the presence of the Father. Now, the funny thing is that the, the Israelites were also, they could have gone up that mountain to encounter God. But they said no, they were too afraid. They said, no, Moses, you go and tell us what he said. Stand in the gap for us. Now, the amazing thing... That this scripture is saying is that we with unveiled faces because of Jesus we can have unveiled faces we can be face to face with the father and when we do that when we contemplate who he is when we see who he is we are so transformed and our lives can be so transformed that we can't we, we won't go back to to what we were before it is so exciting he says, taste and see that I am good. Taste and see that I am good. He is calling us into intimacy. He's calling us into that relationship with him. And you know, when we, when we encounter him through the spirit, there is freedom. There is freedom. But do you know what? So many of us here um, have, may have a sense But do you know what? I don't, I don't have that. I don't have that sense of his glory and his presence and all these things that we're talking about and the freedom of the spirit and i think sometimes what can happen is that we can fall into doing things for god and we can fall into knowing things about god and we lose that encounter with the heart of god and and what what that is is that's religion religion is is form without power it's information without experience It's knowledge of God without encountering the heart of God. And you know what? It can end up being boring and empty and lifeless. And, and, and what's funny is, you know, the Pharisees, they, they really represent this because they knew everything there was to know about God. For In their day, they were the experts. They were the experts in the history of Israel. They were the experts in who God was, in what he was going to do, in who the Messiah was going to be. But when the living God was stood before them, when he was doing miracles in their presence, they didn't recognize who he was because a veil covered their hearts. They were so interested in the outward form that they they lost the relationship, the encounter, the power of the risen God, even though it was right in front of them. And I think some of us today, we can get so distracted by what what we're doing for God or what we're trying to be for him and we can lose out on just being in his presence, in, in dwelling in him, in encountering him. And so what I want to talk about this morning is, um, is how, do we, how do we move into that place of, of being friends with God, of, of seeing his face, of encountering his presence? What do we need to do to get into that place? And um, this week I... Um, I've been doing some homework with Bethany, so half-term this week it has been really crazy. Um, don't know why I agreed to preach today, by the way, people, because we have had a really frantic week back home, but it's okay, I'm here, and it's all good. But um, the homework that Bethany and I have been trying to do this week has been to design, we've got to design a garden that attracts bees, okay? So, um, and half of the garden has got to be attractive to bees, and half of it has got to be not attractive to bees, okay? Um, now, a little confession to make: um, the Baker family are no gardeners. Okay, we do not garden. We're not very good at gardening. David, however, he will consider that he is better at gardening after this summer because uh, he hacked so much at our bushes, saying he was pruning. But I don't think I don't think they'll ever grow back. Uh, but he, yeah. So we aren't gardeners. So I don't know much about gardening. Josie has promised me that she's going to help me with my garden to make it look beautiful, but we aren't gardeners. But I have learnt a lot about bees this week and how we can attract them to our garden. Um, and as I was doing this, this kind of designing this garden with Bethany, I just had a real sense of this is what it's about this is what it's about. If you want to to have a garden that attracts bees, you've got to steward it in such a way that bees will come and be in the garden. And if we want a life that hosts the presence and power of the living God, we've got to position ourselves in such a way and steward our lives in such a way that we attract the presence of the living God. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so if we have a look at this verse again, sorry, I keep making you put the verse up. But there's an ongoingness about this verse. We're going down to the bottom. So uh, let's go to verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces, okay, so that means we can see the face of the Father, unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, I want you to get this. There is an ongoing transformation that occurs as we become followers of Christ. So you become a Christian. He puts his spirit in you. The old you is gone. He's put his spirit in you. The new you is there. But then, if we want to become more and more like Jesus, we need to position ourselves for encountering him. We need to steward our garden so that we can grow in glory. If we want to become more fully who God has called us to be, if we want to know more fully who we are, we've got to look in the face of the image of the one who we're created by. Does that make sense? So how do we do that? How do we position ourselves for encounter? Well, it's about reflection. Can I have my meme picture? So so there is, it says, those with the unveiled faces all reflect or contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Now, this is a picture of the moon. The moon, reflects the, the moon reflects the sun. Okay, Now, we, as we look at Jesus, who is the sun, let's say. Very good, didn't even think of that before, but we reflect his glory and as he shines his glory on us as we spend time with him encountering his presence and his power his glory shines on us and can you see how the moon's reflecting on the water we then go out and we transform the world around us Okay, as his power is in us, as we see him, as we are changed to become more like him, we then will transform the world around us. The supernatural will become natural for us as we move out and we learn more of who he is. And it's exciting. This is an exciting journey. But there is also a challenge to it. There is a challenge to it because As we look to him, he wants to make us more into his image. And that means he will remove from us anything that does not reflect him. He will cut off from us anything that does not reflect who he is. Because he wants us to live free. And he wants us to live full. And that might mean he might call us to lay some stuff down. Or to throw some stuff off. It might be that, you know, we've tried in our, maybe in our lives, we've tried to cut some corners with encountering him. So, so thinking of the garden again, you know, one half I said had to, that we have to design to attract the bees, so that's kind of planting things like lavender and herbs, and apparently, apparently there's such a thing as a bee hotel. Who knew? Who knew? Anyway, these so things attract bees to come, but the other half of the garden, when Bethany was designing the other half of the garden, she put things in there like, uh, fake grass. I've got nothing against fake grass, but it doesn't attract bees. Um, fake grass, fake plants. She put in there pesticides and litter. I mean, it wasn't nice. But but maybe in our lives. As we're walking our journey with the Father, maybe we've tried to cut some corners in encountering him. And maybe we've begun to, rather than actually going straight into his presence and seeking out the presence of the Father and his faith, maybe there's been painful stuff in our lives. And it's meant, you know what, Father, I can't, I can't do your presence right now. And so, um, so I'm just going to, I'm going to put a little bit of astroturf down here. I'm going to read some good Christian books. Uh, I might even listen to a few podcasts. There is nothing wrong with doing that, but if that is cutting corners to actually coming into the fullness of the presence of God, if that's cutting corners in, in just saying, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I want to meet with you. I want to see your face. I want to bring this stuff before you. Sometimes it costs us to, to, to seek him out. And sometimes when we're in that place of encounter, he might call us to lay something down, as I said before, or throw something off. You know, Paul says, he says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that's so easily entangles and run the race marked out for you. You know, if you're dissatisfied with your faith today, if, you, if it feels like you're lukewarm, if it feels like it's not... It's not it's not doing it for me, Lord, then he might be saying, throw it off and run the race that I've got for you. But it might mean that I'm calling you on a different path or a different trajectory. It might mean that I'm calling you to come to me with that pain. You know, um, when we first moved here, so about four four years ago we moved here, and... um, at that point, uh, my housemate from university, who I'd lived with during university, he, um, he was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, and I had this, uh, I had real faith in the Father's ability to heal. You know, I'd, I had been face to face with him, and I knew that his name was Healer, and I knew that he could heal. Okay? I knew that. I'd seen that. I'd seen that in my life. I'd seen that in the lives of other people around me. And so, when, when Tom became sick with cancer, I was like, it's all right. God's got this. You know, he's 31 years old. There's no way that God's not going to do something here because he's also, he calls himself compassion. He calls himself compassion. So, so he's going to do it. He's going to do this. So, there was a journey then of a year of Tom going through chemo and radiotherapy and all this kind of stuff. Now, Tom's got two little children um, and and at the end of this journey, Tom, Tom dies. He dies. And do you know what? Everything in me was, was in it was spiraling, was spinning. I was like, no, but I know who you are, I've seen what you can do. What have you done? And and do you know what? The temptation at that point to go, right, I'm astroturfing this lawn. I'm getting in some fake flowers. There is no way I want to encounter the presence of the living God if this is what he's going to do. But do you know what? The enemy wants us to stay in that place. He wants us to stay in the place of pain. And he wants to say, yes, you see, God isn't who he said he was. He did it in the Garden of Eden, people. He said to them, did God really say that? And he'll bring in the questions, and he'll bring in the doubt, and he'll challenge everything you thought you knew about who God was. And what God says is, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Because in my presence, you will find rest for your soul. You will find peace. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom And yes, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. But I'm calling you to live it with me. And I'm calling you to look at me, because as you look at me, I'll make you like me. And as you walk and become more like me, then you will bring me into those places of pain and fear and uncertainty and as you bring me in, you'll see that I do work together for good everything. I work together for good, everything. And everything the enemy has sought to steal, I will bring to you a hundredfold blessing. I will. Because that's who I am. And you know what? Moses, when he walked with God, he, he was the one who said to God, But what, who shall I say you are? If the Israelites ask me, who shall I say you are? And so he said, He said, just tell them I am. Tell them I am. And, And he spoke to Moses and told Moses his name. And you know what? Some of us, God wants to speak to us his name. He wants to remind us of his name. I am healer. I am your provider. I am your sustainer. There is so much more. There is so much more. And I just get a sense, um, I just get a sense this morning that, that, that some of us, you know, the Father's calling to, to come like the woman with the alabaster jar. You know that woman? She came. Anyone who encountered Jesus was completely transformed by him. When they encountered him properly, when they began to hear him and know him, they were completely transformed. The woman with the alabaster jar, she knew what transformation was like. She knew it. You know, she'd lived a life where she was bound up by so much stuff. And Jesus, Jesus completely transformed her. And what does she do? She takes Everything she has, the, the, the perfume, which is everything, it's, it it's costs it's her whole life savings. And she comes to him and she comes into this room of people who are critical and cynical and, 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 and looking at her as she comes as this sinner to the feet of the father and she breaks the jar all over his feet. And the whole room is filled with the perfume and the fragrance of what she's just done. And there's people sitting there and speaking out and saying, what have you done? That's your whole life savings You just poured out at the feet of Jesus. And do you know what he says? He says, what she has done is absolutely amazing. And she will be remembered through all the generations when people begin to talk about me. They will talk about this woman and what she's done. What does she do? She came with her whole heart in authentic worship and gave everything she had to him because she knew who he was and what he could do. And I believe that the invitation this morning, the the, the, the invitation that Father gives us this morning is will you come? Will you come to me with all that you have? Will you come to me with your broken bits? Will you come to me with your doubt and your uncertainty? Will you come to me with your joy and your passion and your dreams? Will you come to me and let me fill you with my spirit and my presence so that you can go out and transform this nation for the king? Okay. I just want to very briefly think about How do we position ourselves? How do we position ourselves? How do we contemplate? And you know what, As as a mother of four kids, the time for me to contemplate the Lord is limited. I don't have loads of time. But, but, I know that this is what my life is about. My life is about reflecting the Father's face in every sphere that I can. So, I personally, I want to make time in the word. I do want to make time in the word. I don't have loads of time to make time in the word. But what I will do is put a scripture up on my cupboard. Or I'll I'll have a scripture that I look at every single day for a week. And I will bask in that scripture. I will contemplate the glory of the Lord through that scripture. There will be moments in my day, in the craziness of the day, that I will just stop and I'll say, Holy Spirit, in this moment fill me. It's not, it's not impossible. I'm not saying that what you need to do is to, to, to leave a job and go off and, and, and join a convent. That's not the thing. It's just in your, in your walk, in your daily walk, it's inviting him in. And it's those moments where you spend time just looking at his face. Does that make sense? Okay. Right. Um, what I'm going to do... If i'm just going to ask you to stand <coughs> and there's a there's a verse in scripture that says draw near to God and he will draw near to you and so what I want want to invite you to do is just to hold out your hands in this moment and where two or three gathered in his name he's there he's here the father's here And so I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would you come now? Lord, here we are your children, your children who you love with a passion such a passion that you went and died so that you could have intimacy with every single one of us. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit that brings freedom. So Lord, would you come and would you fill us right now? We're just gonna wait. We're just gonna wait. I repeated a couple of times as I was speaking that, um, the phrase, that as we look at who he is, we begin to know more fully who we are. And I just, I just believe there's an invitation this morning. If you, If you want to know more fully who you are, it's almost like you've been holding the reins of your life so tightly. And I feel like he's saying, I want to tell you, who you are you've got dreams that are lying dormant in your life and he's saying I'm able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine and I just believe he wants to he wants to reawaken some dreams in people's lives he wants to reawaken some dreams that you thought were not possible and if that's you I want to invite you to come forward you can do that now And I believe that there's some other people here. And when I talked about um, the pain of of what you thought that God was or who he was and, and you have felt disappointed and actually I feel like he just wants to come and minister into that place. And he wants to come with his presence and he wants to just bring a healing so that you can be free of the weight of that. That you can know again that he is trustworthy and he is faithful. And so if that's you, if you know you've got some stuff that's just been weighing you down, I want to invite you to come forward as well. And just a specific verse, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desires fulfilled are the tree of life. I feel like there's people here with hopes that have been deferred and the Father wants to speak into that place right now. If you feel like you've got a hope that's been deferred and it's made your heart feel a bit sick, I believe the Father wants to speak. So so I want to invite you to come forward as well. And if you don't want to come forward, you can turn to the person next to you in your seat and just say praise.